You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast page, and you can share your own thoughts and reflections with others who are listening along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed your good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 288, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 6, paragraphs 80 to 87. 80. But the great queen of the angels was ignorant of nothing that had happened, for from her retreat she had heard the preaching of the apostles, and she knew the secret hearts and thoughts of all the hearers. The tenderest mother remained prostrate with her face upon the ground during the whole time, tearfully praying for the conversion of all that subjected themselves to the faith of the Savior, and for all the rest if they should consent to cooperate with the helps and the graces of the Lord, in order to help the apostles in their great work of beginning to preach, and the bystanders in properly listening to them. The Most Holy Mary sent many of her accompanying angels with holy inspirations, encouraging the sacred apostles and giving them strength to inquire and to manifest more explicitly the hidden mysteries of the humanity and divinity of Christ our Redeemer. The angels fulfilled all the commands of their queen, while she herself exercised her own power and gifts according to the circumstances of the occasion. When the apostles came to her with those copious first fruits of their preaching and of the Holy Ghost, she received them with incredible joy and sweetness and with the most loving kindness of a true mother. 81. The apostle St. Peter spoke to the recently converted and said to them, my brethren and servants of the Most High, this is the mother of our Redeemer and Master Jesus Christ, whose faith you have received in acknowledging him as true God and man. She has given him the human form, conceiving him in her womb, and she bore him, remaining a virgin before, during, and after his birth. Receive her as your mother, as your refuge and intercessor, for through her we shall receive light, direction, and release from our sins and miseries. At these words of the apostles and at the sight of the Most Holy Mary, these new adherents of the faith were filled with admirable light and consolation for this privilege of conferring great interior blessings and of giving light to those who looked upon her with pious veneration, with renewed and extended in her at the time when she was at the right hand of her divine Son in heaven. As all of those faithful partook of these blessings in the presence of their queen, they prostrated themselves at her feet 
and with tears besought her assistance and blessing. But the humble and prudent queen evaded this latter, because of the presence of the apostles who were priests, and of St. Peter, the vicar of Christ. Then this apostle said to her, Lady, do not refuse to these faithful what they piously ask for the consolation of their souls. And the blessed Mary obeyed the head of the church, and in humble serenity of a queen, she gave her blessing to the newly converted. 82. The love which filled their hearts made them desire to hear from their heavenly mother some words of consolation, yet their humility and reverence prevented them from asking for this favor. As they perceived how obediently she had yielded to St. Peter, they turned to him and begged him to ask her not to send them away, without some word of encouragement. St. Peter, though he considered this favor very proper for those souls who had been born again to Christ by his preaching and that of the other apostles, nevertheless, aware that the mother of wisdom knew well what was to be done, presumed to say no more than these words, Lady, listen to the petitions of thy servants and children. Then the great lady obeyed and said to the converts, My dearest brethren in the Lord, give thanks and praise with your whole hearts to the Almighty God, because from all men he has called and drawn you to the sure path of eternal life in the knowledge of the holy faith you have received. Be firm in your confession of it from all your hearts and in hearing and believing all that the law of grace contains as preached and ordained by its true teacher Jesus, my Son and your Redeemer. Be eager to hear and obey his apostles who teach and instruct you, so that you may be signed and marked by baptism in the character of children of the Most High. I offer myself as your handmaid to assist you in all that serves toward your consolation, and I shall ask him to look upon you as a kind father, and to manifest to you the true joy of his countenance, communicating to you also his grace. 83. By this sweetest of exhortations, those new children of the church were filled with consolation, light, veneration, and admiration of what they saw of the mistress of the world, asking again for her blessing. They, for that day, left her presence renewed and replete with the wonderful gifts of the Most High. The apostles and disciples from that day on continued without intermission their preaching and their miracles, and through the entire octave they instructed not only the three thousand who had been converted on Pentecost Day, but multitudes of others who day by day accepted the faith. Since they came from all parts of the world, they converted and spoke with each one in his own language. For as I have said above, they spoke in various languages from that time on. This grace was given not only to the apostles, although it was more complete and noticeable in them, also the disciples and all the one hundred and twenty who were in the cenacle at that time, and also the holy women who received the Holy Ghost, were thus favored. This was really necessary at the time on account of the great multitudes who came to the faith. Although all the men and many of the women came to the apostles, yet many, after having heard them, went to Magdalene and her companions, who catechized, instructed, and converted them, and others that came at the report of the miracles they performed. For this gift was also conferred on the women, who, by the imposition of hands, cured all sickness, gave sight to the blind, tongue to the mute, motion to the lame, and life to many of the dead. These and other wonders were principally wrought by the apostles. Nevertheless, both their miracles and those of the women excited the wonder and astonishment of all Jerusalem, so that nothing else was talked about except the prodigies and the preaching of the apostles of Jesus, of his disciples, and followers of his doctrine. 84. The fame of these events soon extended beyond the city, 
for no one sought a cure in vain. Such miracles were at that time very necessary, not only for the confirmation of the new law and doctrine of Christ our Savior, but also because the natural desire of health and life would stimulate men to seek the welfare of their body, and thus bring them within hearing and influence of the divine word. Thus they returned cured as well in body as in soul, which generally happened to those who came to the apostles in their maladies. Hence the number of the faithful daily increased, and their fervor and faith and charity was so ardent that all of them began to imitate the poverty of Christ, despising their riches and property, and laying all their possessions at the feet of the apostles without reserving anything for themselves as their own. Acts 2.45 They wished to possess all things in common, and thus free themselves from the dangers of riches, preferring to live in poverty, sincerity, humility, and continual prayer without any other care than that of eternal life. All of them considered themselves as brethren and children of one Father in heaven. Matthew 23.9 As faith, hope, and charity and the sacraments were the common blessing of all, and as they were all seeking the same grace and eternal life and inequality and other things seemed dangerous to these Christian children of the Father, the inheritors of his goods and professors of his law, it seemed to them inappropriate that, having such a bond of union in the principal and essential things, some should be rich and others poor, and that temporal things should not be communicated where each one enjoyed those of grace, for all gifts are from one and the same Father for all of his children. 85. This was the happy beginning in the golden age of the evangelical church, where the rushing of the same stream rejoiced the city of God. Psalm 45, 5. And the current of grace and the gifts of the Holy Ghost fertilized this new paradise, recently planted by the hands of the Savior Jesus, while in its midst stood the tree of life, Most Holy Mary. Then was faith alive, hope firm, charity ardent, sincerity pure, humility true, justice most equitable, when the faithful neither knew avarice nor followed vanity, when they trod underfoot, vain pomp, were free from covetousness, pride, ambition, which later prevailed among the professors of the faith, and while confessing themselves as followers of Christ, denied him in their works. We are inclined to object that those were the first fruits of the church of the Spirit, Romans 8.23, that the faithful were few that now the times are different, that in those times the mother of wisdom and grace lived in the church, whose presence, prayers, and protection defended and encouraged the faithful to bring forth heroic works of the faith. 86. To this we answer by what will be said in the course of this history, whence it will appear that none other than the faithful have permitted so many vices to creep into the fold of the church such as the demon himself, with all his pride and malice, never expected to see established among Christians. I content myself with saying that the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit were not exhausted in those first fruits. His influence is always the same, and would be just as efficacious with the many to the end of the church, as it was with the few at its beginnings. If those many were as faithful as those few, it is true that the times have changed. But this change from virtue to vice, from good to evil, consists not in any change of the heavens and the stars, but in a change of men who have strayed from the straight way of life, eternal, and walk the way of perdition. I do not speak now of the pagans or of the heretics who have fallen away, not only from the light of true faith, but even from that of right reason. I speak of the faithful, who pride themselves in being children of light but content themselves with only the name, and who sometimes use it merely to cloak their vices and to cover up their crimes. 87. 
It will not be possible in this third part to describe even the least part of the wonderful and great works accomplished by the mighty queen and the primitive church. But from those which I will describe and from her life in this world after the ascension, much can be inferred. For she did not rest or lose one moment or occasion of conferring some singular favors, either upon the whole church or some of its members. For she consumed herself either in praying and beseeching her divine son, without ever experiencing a refusal, or in exhorting, instructing, counseling, and as treasure and dispenser of the divine favors, distributing graces in thy diverse manners among the children of the gospel." Among the hidden mysteries which were made known to me concerning the power of the Blessed Mary was also this, that in those first ages during which she lived in the Holy Church, the number of the damned was proportionately very small, and that comparatively in those few years a greater number were saved than in many succeeding ages. This concludes our reading today for day number 288. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 6. Paragraphs 80 to 87. We've heard this before in our readings that Mary sends her angels to different places. For example, in the very first volumes that we read, Mary sent her angel to be with John the Baptist when he was alone after his parents had died. Today we hear Mary sends her angels to the apostles to give them strength as they do their apostolic works. And maybe, spiritually, we can ask Mary to send her angels to us. Mary, send me your angel, so that I might be strengthened as a follower of Jesus. Send me your angel, that I might advance in virtue. Might be a little spiritual practice that we can take a cue from her, that she has done this, and now we can ask her to do it. And why do we have the confidence that we can ask? Well, because the apostles say, Lady, listen to the petitions of thy servants and children. So we are petitioning her, and she listens to us like a mother listens to her child. And as our reading progresses, for example, those who find themselves to be members of the church and children of Our Lady, we hear by the sweetest of exhortations, those new children of the church were filled with consolation, light, veneration, and admiration of what they saw of the mistress of the world, asking again for her blessing. And for us, well, we want to have that same admiration that consolation, that veneration of the mother of God, that we can look at these early believers and now in these later ages of the church, we can be inspired. And what great consolation for us to hear about the Holy Spirit present in the early days of the church, giving great gifts to the early church and how we hear that that same spirit is with us now. His influence is always the same and would be just as efficacious with the many to the end of the church as it was with a few in its beginnings, if those many were as faithful as those few. Well, we don't know if we're in the end of the church, but we know we're many years removed from Maria Vagrida. So if we strive to be faithful well, then we know that the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit will be with us 
until the very end. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.